Hello, welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 155. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. I hope things are going well where you are. Uh, It's bright and sunny and relatively warm here for January. The Midwest is, as has been the pattern the last few years, experiencing a winter of extremes. Um, We had a big snowstorm at the end of November. Not much, except for rain in December. And now it's in the 40s today, as I'm recording this in January. So life is weird in many ways these days, not least of which is the weather. So wherever you are, I hope the weather is good, whatever that means for you. And you know what? I hope everything else is good, too. All right, let's kick off this show. Let's check in with our buddy Mad Mike Hughes. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship, or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mike Hughes. Mad Mike Hughes. I didn't really see any news, uh, new news. For Mad Mike, he seems to be on a hiatus from Facebook or something. I don't know what's going on, but something did catch my eye. This is not new, but at one point he had a go get funding initiative up. This is not GoFundMe, and it's it's not one of the other funding sites that I'm familiar with. This one, like I said, is called GoGetFunding.com. He had an effort up there for Mad Mike Hughes and Rocket the Stunt Bunny children coloring book. Now, as you know, if you've been listening to these updates, at one point he was talking about getting a Mad Mike Hughes bunny stuffed animal going. This apparently was a coloring book. He was looking for $555, which seems like an odd amount, but all right. Doesn't matter because he only got 100 bucks. 18% funded and the funding has now expired. Let's see. Among the rewards, well, there's only one. If you donate 25 bucks or more, you got... A copy, I guess, of the coloring book signed by Mad Mike himself. Uh, And he got one person to pony up that much. Somebody named Morgan Ellis uh, apparently took a lot of prescription medication that day because he gave a hundred bucks. Oh, okay. So he was the donor. uh, Yeah, I just noticed that now. There was one backer. Morgan Ellis gave a hundred bucks for this stupid coloring book. He donated that on December 23rd, 2018. But I guess he doesn't have to worry about losing his money. So when he came out of the prescription drug haze, uh, and by the way, I'm just kidding. I don't really know if Morgan Ellis has ever taken any prescription drugs. So, you know, don't sue me. But, you know, he, he could be relieved or sad, I don't know, uh, about the fact that he doesn't have to pay his hundred bucks because uh, the expiring uh, the funding has now expired. A quick Google search of Mad Mike Hughes reveals absolutely nothing in recent activity. Uh, I guess he's busy with these coloring books and stuffed animals and biopics. Maybe he's writing a follow-up to that really awful Mad Mike Hughes biography that I paid four bucks for and couldn't get through because it was awful. Has anybody else read that at this point? Uh, I would be curious if anyone else was more intrepid than me because I couldn't get through it. So basically, this week's report, nothing. And on that happy note, let's close up the, uh, let's, we need a way to end this segment. Let's launch ourselves out of the Mad Mike Hughes terra firma into the atmosphere of other things. From where we, from which vantage point we will gaze down upon the the flat earthiness that is Mad Mike Hughes. 
I kind of lost control of that. Much like Mad Mike lost control of the rocket he launched last year and crashed. All right, let's just close up the uh, this segment. What do you think? Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship. Or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mike Hughes. Mad Mike Hughes. In other news, uh, we've got changes for 2019. These changes went into effect. Er, not really changes. Updates since since last I recorded. Um, I did record an episode already in uh, that you've heard in January of 2019. That was the Human Cannonball episode last week. But uh, since then, new things have come up. For example, I got, for Christmas, from the in-laws, went to uh, the in-laws over the New Year's weekend for, uh, you know, the the, uh, in-law family celebration. And uh, I got my first ever Atari Flashback, uh, Atari Flashback 9. Uh, So that's very cool. Uh, I never had one. I was kind of curious to see what they're like. And I've played with it a little bit. Of course, the, the big advantage of the Atari Flashback is there's a ton of games on there, many of which I've never seen before. A lot of sequels. You know, as, I don't have it in front of me now. Asteroids 2, I think, or Asteroids Ultimate, something like that. And I think there's a, a well, it's Frog Pond, I guess. It's not really, maybe it is a, supposed to be a sequel to Frogger. I guess I'm not sure. Frogger itself, I think, is on there too. Uh, well, you know what? I think it's right here. Let's see. The box promises 110 built-in games, and then it's my understanding you can put more games on an SD card and load that in, but I haven't really even played with the games that are on there yet, so I'm not quite ready to do that. I won't read them all, but you've got things like the classics, basketball, which is our game today, spoiler, bowling, breakout, canyon bomber. You've got all three of the Sword Quest games, Sword Quest Earthworld, Fireworld, and Waterworld, pinball, Space War, Space Invaders, and lots of other classic ones. But then you've also got things like Adventure 2, Frog Pond. I think I mentioned that already. Um, I'm trying to see. The back of the box mostly lists the classic titles. Atari Climber, is that a classic one or is that one they made up for this? I'm not sure. Radar Lock, I'm not sure about that one either. Point is, there's lots of games on here. And I played with a little bit. They look pretty good. The joystick looks retro-ish. I guess one of the benefits of the flashback is you can pause the games and you can rewind, which is kind of funky. I didn't do that when I was playing because it feels weird, man, to rewind an Atari game. The unit itself, the console is, looks like uh, an old Atari console, but it's tiny. Uh, Not like, you know, like Matchbox tiny, but, but small, like maybe the size of a of a PlayStation 2, because I'm looking at a PlayStation 2 right now. I've got one on my shelf. So that's a little weird, but overall, I like it. I'll get it out once in a while. I'm sure I'll use some of the games as content for the podcast, and I will let you know, of course, when I'm doing that, and factor that into the mini-review I do every week on this show. We're not really a game review show, of course, but, uh, you know, as you know, we every week we do talk a little bit about the gameplay, and and I will certainly f- work in the flashbackiness of any games that I play on the flashback. Uh, if any of you has thoughts about the Atari Flashback, and I know you do, I've seen it on social media, let me know. If you have ideas, because I know that you can load games on, like I said, onto the SD card and, and plug those in. If you have ga- ideas for games I should get and do that, let me know that too. I am, at heart, a, an original hardware kind of guy. 
I've always kind of, um, I've never really gone searching for an Atari flashback. I don't really use emulators. If I'm going to play an Atari game, I like to find the cartridge and play it that way. It just feels more natural to me. But now that I have the flashback, I like the idea that I can play some of these games. So I may, you know, do the SD card thing if you guys have ideas what I should play. All right, what else? Over the holidays, a few of you reached out to me to let you know that you had picked up my novel in the St. Nick of Time, which I was promoting every week throughout the holidays. It's my adult-themed, meaning that it's written for adults, not for kids, Santa Claus story in the St. Nick of Time. A few of you reached out to say that you'd picked it up. Thank you for that. Um, Now we're into January. A lot of you may have finished reading the book. I just want to remind you, go back to whatever retailer you bought the book from, whether it was Amazon or uh, an indie bookstore or, or whatever it was, Barnes & Noble maybe, and, and leave a review. Uh, it makes me happy, of course, to read your thoughts about the book, but more importantly for me, from a business standpoint, it helps It helps the algorithms that make the websites promote books. Uh, it, it calls more attention to this book if you leave a review, and maybe it'll help stimulate some of those sites to uh, move the book up in its, in its uh, recommendations and so forth. And that means other people can find it and enjoy it. So please do that. And uh, and I appreciate that as well. All right. One more thing before we get into this week's game. And I'll mention this again at the end of the show. I like when you guys contact me, emails, messages on social media, that kind of thing. Uh, send me MP3s, your thoughts. That's great too. But here's another way you can contact me. Atari Bytes has a phone number now. 563-265-1978. That's right. You can call me with your thoughts or questions or comments or ideas or chocolate chip cookie recipes, whatever it is. But here's the thing. I'm not going to answer it when you call. I'm never going to answer that phone call. It's always going to go to voicemail. So don't worry if, like me, you think people are icky. um, Don't worry. You don't actually have to talk to me. You call, you leave a message, unless it's uh, uh, really horrendously spooky. uh, I will probably play it on the show then. It's just another way for you guys to uh, to interact with this show, and I think that's better for everybody. This show every week is just me talking into the void. Anything I can do to get you guys to uh, insert your voices provides a richer experience for everybody, and also, frankly, uh, means there's a little bit of the show that I don't have to do anything other than let you guys talk to uh, everybody else that's listening. So, thanks for that. 563-265-1978. All right. Well, with that, Let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is... Hit me, Atari! Sorry, Miss Channing. You gonna slam dunk me, Atari? The Atari Video Computer System is 20 cartridges with 1,300 game variations you play on your own TV set. Don't just watch television tonight. Play it. Basketball from Atari 1979. Yep, we're going way back. This is not, I don't think, one of the original nine. But it is certainly one of the early titles. Um, And it is exactly what it says on the tin. It's basketball. Uh, it's not like alien basketball or, or uh, basketball to save the universe or anything. It's just basketball. Uh, which makes me a little sad as the guy who has to write a story about this game. But, you know, there it is. What can I do? Not to jump ahead to my review, but I'm going to do it anyway. 
I'm not a big sports guy. Uh, I've never have been really all that excited about sports. Um, Occasionally, I like to play a game, basketball or volleyball or whatever, but I, I have really no particular interest in sports beyond that. So whenever a sports title comes up on the production schedule for the show, I'm always kind of like, yeah, really? Partly because I'm not a sports guy, partly because, like I just said, it's kind of hard to come up with a story within the context of just a straight sports game. Having said that, though, I really like this game. I kind of didn't want to stop playing to record the show today, and that's always a good sign to me. That's always a good indicator that, hey, this is a pretty good game, which is especially surprising this week because it's a sports title. So let's get into the nuts and bolts here. Uh, using the joystick controllers for this, uh, a little confusing, but to play for you as player one, or really only player, if, if you're only playing the one player game, which I am because I have no friends, you're using the right controller instead of the left controller, which would be sort of the, the default. You hold the controller with the red button to your upper left toward the television screen. I want someone to do that instruction with some sort of really cool sound effects or something. I am not particularly a good sound engineer. I've been doing this show for, I don't know, 82 years or something. and I, But I've never really learned how to engineer sound and, and put sound effects in in a really good way and all that kind of stuff. So somebody out there needs to make me a, a little uh, sound effects bit of audio with the instruction, hold the controller with the red button to your upper left toward the television screen. That would be flipping awesome. All right, you've got your mission. Uh, like I said, we're using the joystick plugged into the right controller jack for one-player games. Moving your joystick controller according to the diagram. Can everybody see in the back? Okay, good. Oh, hey, I almost forgot. One other new thing about the podcast, and this is just a little um, behind-the-scenes, doesn't really affect you guys all that much necessarily. Uh, I got a new microphone. I think I complained on the podcast a while back that the one I had, I had dumped a generous amount of liquid on it, and I was really worried that it was going to crap out. It hasn't yet, actually, but I'm still worried that it's going to happen. Plus, it's a really cheap microphone. I've been doing this show, like I said, 192 years, and it's the original microphone that I'd been using since the beginning, and it was cheap by design, because when I started this, like every other podcaster, I didn't know if it was going to stick. I didn't know if you guys were going to listen to the show. I didn't know if I was even going to like doing it, so I didn't want to spend a whole lot of money. I bought a really cheap microphone. Actually, I bought two really cheap microphones. One, uh, I quickly realized why it was a cheap microphone, because I could not get it to quit making this weird staticky sound. So I still got that one. I don't know why, but I do. But I never ever use it. The other one I have is actually a pretty good microphone, which is why I've used it all this time, because even for the money, it's pretty decent. Uh, But like I said, it's getting old now, like the rest of us. And you know, I was worried about the, the whole uh, liquid thing. So I decided, all right, apparently I'm going to stick with this podcasting thing because I've been doing it for 7,000 years. Maybe it's time to invest in perhaps not a top-of-the-line microphone. My wife wouldn't go for that. But I got a pretty good microphone. It's a Yeti Blue. For those of you who care about this stuff, it's gray if you care about that. And so far, so good. I do think... There's a little bit richer sound coming out, so I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, and time will tell. I mean, if you guys can really notice a difference, whether it's better or worse, let me know. I'm always looking for ways to improve this show, or I'm always open to ignoring your comments. I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, back to the game. 
So the player with the ball dribbles automatically and always faces the goal. The defending player always faces the ball. To shoot the ball, depress the red controller button. Your player will stop dribbling and will hold the ball, waving it back and forth over his head, as shown in the diagram. All right. Hey, in the back, wake up. When the controller button is released, the player will shoot. If the shot is made when the ball is over the player's head, it will be a long, high, arching shot. If the shot is made when the ball is held low in front, it will be a short, easy shot. The shot will always go towards the goal. It was frustrating me when I was playing that I couldn't get the player to shoot, like, three-pointers. Yeah, to shoot from downtown, or whatever the hell they say. That doesn't seem to be an option in this game. That said, and I guess I'm, just, I'm doing the review part, sort of uh, interspersed with everything else. That said, you do get a, those couple of different shots, and it looks really good on screen. These are blocky, you know, sprites, very chunky pixel whatevers on screen, but even within that context, they look really good. And I'm doing air quotes here, realistic for the technology. To defend against your opponent's shot, place yourself between the ball and the goal. When the shooter releases the ball... To press your red controller button. Your player will jump and you can block the shot and recover the ball. You can only block a shot when the ball is in its upward arc. There is no goaltending in this game. To steal the ball, put the player's feet even with your opponent's feet. When the ball leaves your opponent's hand during the dribble, take the ball and race toward your own basket. Stealing the ball comes much easier with practice and will become an integral part of your defense strategy. I was really happy about this. For some reason, I didn't expect the level of realism that you get. And I was really happy to see that, yeah, you can steal the ball and all that stuff. It just added to the realism. It just makes the game that you're looking at on screen look really good. When the difficulty switch on the console unit is in the B position, your player can move from goal to goal much more quickly than in the A position. Thus, a beginning player, like me, using the B position will be able to defend more easily and will be able to outrun his opponent. I took the manual suggestion and I put the, uh, the left difficulty switch in A and my switch in B to make it easier to play today, to make the field report go a little easier. Uh, spoiler, I've already done the field report. I think that if I keep playing, and I suspect this is one I will come back to, even though it is uh, a sports title, uh, I will probably bump my switch up to A because I've kind of got the idea now and, and kind of gotten the hand, uh, the hang of it, and uh, and I think I I don't need that that handicap. To begin play, visualize that you are sitting at center court about six rows back. The bottom of the playfield is the near side of the court. The goals are in the center of the two end lines. The top of the court is the side farthest from you. As shown in the above diagram, seriously, you in the back, put down the newspaper. Does anybody read newspapers anymore? You know, I really like the New York Times Sunday paper, but it takes, uh, in addition to costing about $148, it takes a hell of a long time to read. Not that I'm complaining, because uh, there's a lot of good content in there. Uh, I especially like the Sunday paper for the arts section. Books and play reviews and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I don't have the time it takes to read that whole thing. Uh, and then I feel bad, because I spent you know $797 on it, and then I don't have time to read it. So anyway, uh, what was I saying? As shown in the above diagram, the two players are standing at center court, waiting for the jump ball to begin the game. Even the jump ball part looks realistic. I, I just, I can't get over how surprisingly happy I am with this game. The left, or green player score, is shown at the top left of the playfield. The right, or lavender player score, is shown at the top right. Between the two scores is a time clock. When the game begins, the clock begins counting backwards from four minutes. 
For any score to count, it must go through the basket before the game ends at zero. To start the game with a jump ball, after setting your difficulty switch, depress the game reset switch on your console unit. When the switch is released, the ball will be thrown straight up. Uh, when the ball comes down, the game is underway. When the basket is made, the player making the basket is reset to center court to defense. His opponent will be reset under the basket to receive the ball and make his offensive moves. And believe me, I know all about making offensive moves. I don't know what that means. Anyway, the line under each basket, there's a, a singular plural problem here. The lines, it should say, under each basket are the court end lines. A defensive player can cross over either end line. An offensive player cannot dribble the ball over the end line nearest to his offensive goal. This feature stops any stall tactics. Game 1 is a two-player game. It's you against an opponent, obviously. To make the game more interesting, play, play, try playing two four-minute halves, changing controllers at halftime. That sounds like a good idea. If I had friends, I would do that. Game 2 is a one-player game. Using the right-hand controller, it's you against the computer, and our computer is programmed to increase your playing skill. Back off, Atari. Who are you to speak about my playing skill? What else can the computer do? Can it make me taller? Can it make me better at cooking souffles? Can it um, help with this uh, uh, lower back problem that I have? Huh? Can it do that? Anyway, what was I saying? The closer the score, the better his d defense, and he will make more offensive moves. Try not to let the computer get more than an 8-point lead, because after he has let you close the score, his defense will tighten much sooner. Suggestion. At first, place, at first, place the left difficulty... Here's where the suggestion that I mentioned earlier comes in. Place the left difficulty switch in the A position and the right difficulty switch in the B position. If you can beat the computer 6 to 8 points, consider yourself a skillful player. And I am, man. That's me. Although, my kid came in, Henry, came in earlier while I was playing, you know, sort of practicing for the field report. And he asked which guy I was, and I told him that I was the purple guy. I did not say lavender. I said purple. And uh, in the game, he watched me play for a little bit, and the four minutes, you know, time was up, and, and I lost, but it was like 42 to 40. And he's like, oh, he lost. And I said, well, yeah, but I mean, I just started playing this, and that was, that's a pretty good score. And he's like, no, it's not. And then he walked away. So this just goes to the conventional wisdom that kids are jerks. All of us when we were kids were jerks. All of us who have kids know that our kids are jerks. This has been Parenting Corner with Bill. So basically the manual says once you can get good enough that you can you know, finish within six to eight points of the computer, move the left difficulty switch to the B position because you're a skillful player. If you can beat the computer by more than four points, you are a superior player. Next, I want them to say that they'll send you a patch. One of those patches that I never got. Not that I am resentful, but they don't say that. So I guess maybe you have to make up your own patch. If anyone wants to make up a superior player patch for basketball and show it to me, uh, please do. And that is how you play basketball. I suppose I should clarify that this is not to be confused with real sports basketball, which is also a game, I guess, that exists. But I'm not playing that one. I don't think I've ever played that one. But who knows? I may do it on the show someday. Speaking of other basketball games that exist, strategywiki.org provides a survey of various basketball games, starting with Basketball for the 2600, which they say is one of the 11 uh, 2600 titles that were part of the second wave of games released in 78. game was designed by Alan Miller, who became quite renowned for his ability to make accurate sports conversions. I agree. I feel this is very accurate. Uh, that pushed the graphical limitations of a system by utilizing a three-dimensional perspective. Apparently, Alan Miller made a conversion of the game for the Atari 400 and 800 
And in May of 79, Chris Downend designed an arcade game of basketball based on Miller's original design, commonly referred to as Atari Basketball, as another basketball arcade game precedes it, developed by Taito Corporation in 1974, composed of dedicated circuits as opposed to a processor. The arcade game didn't use joysticks, it instead was designed to be played with a trackball, perhaps in an effort to capitalize on the popularity of the same controls found on the, on the Atari football Atari uh, arcade game. The Atari 400-800XL-XE version was virtually identical to the 2600 version with a few subtle differences. For one thing, it looks better, and they have a, a shot here, a, a, a screen capture thing on here, and, and yeah, it does look better. The players, the ball, and the baskets are more clearly defined. This was one of my problems. Uh, the few problems I have with the Atari basketball, 2600 basketball, is the colors are all wrong. The players are, one's lavender and one's green, that's fine. But the court is orange for some reason. The ball, which should be orange, is actually blue, but I guess that's because the court is orange and it would be, you wouldn't be able to see it. But they could have made the court, I would think, they could have made the court, I don't know, a light brown or yellow or something. It would be more, it still wouldn't be quite right, but it'd be closer and then make the ball orange. The arcade version is modeled after the existing home versions, and the gameplay is extremely similar to the previous two versions as far as one-on-one -on -one game is concerned. The only difference here, besides the use of a black-and-white display, huh, is the use of trackballs instead of joysticks. Players move their on-screen counterpart across the court by rolling the trackball in the desired di direction. Everything else about the controls, including the procedure of holding the button down to shoot the ball, remains identical. The 2600 game was well received by critics, gaining praise in Video Magazine's Arcade Alley review column. Reviewers described it as that rare gem that plays well solitaire or with the human opponent, and noted that the game definitely captures the flavor of basketball. The fan's eye perspective was singled out for particular praise, and the game as a whole was found to offer the most exciting four minutes of one-on-one -on -one hoop action the reviewers had seen so far. In the 1980 comedy film Airplane, flight controllers are seen playing Atari 2600 basketball rather than watching the monitor. I remember that gag in the movie, and I'd totally forgotten that it was basketball. That's pretty cool. I kind of want to go watch Airplane now. Hold on, I'll be right back. Auto the autopilot kills me every time. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, basketball. Basketball, like the real game with people and a ball and stuff, was first played on December 21st, 1891 in Springfield, Massachusetts, in the United States. It was invented by Canadian-American gym teacher James Naismith and has evolved to become one of the world's most popular and widely viewed sports. Naismith was a physical education professor and instructor at the International Young Men's Christian Association Training School, a.k.a. YMCA, which is today Springfield College in Springfield, Massachusetts, because he was trying to keep his gym class active on a rainy day. He wanted a vigorous indoor game to keep students occupied and at proper levels of fitness during the long New England winters. Now I've got the Fountains of Wayne song stuck in my head. I can't remember now what it's called, but it's the one, the snow is coming down on my New England town, and it's been snowing all day long. I think of that song, I don't live in New England, but I think of that song every time, you know, every winter when we get our first snowfall. Anyway, once again, what was I talking about? So Naismith uh, was trying to come up with ideas for things to do in gym class 
when it was raining, they couldn't go outside. So he had various ideas, but they were too rough or poorly suited to wald in gymnasiums. So he came up with the basic rules uh, for basketball and nailed a peach basket on a peach basket onto a 10-foot elevated track. Unlike modern basketball nets, the peach basket retained its bottom, and balls had to be retrieved manually after each basket or point scored, which obviously proved to be inefficient. So the bottom of the basket was removed, allowing the balls to be poked out with a long dowel each time. Originally, they played with a soccer ball, since, duh, when they first invented the game, you couldn't exactly go buy a basketball. These round balls from, quote, association football were made at the time with a set of laces to close off the hole needed for inserting the inflatable bladder after the other sewn-together uh, sewn segments of the ball's cover had been flipped in outside in. The laces could cause bounce passes and dribbling to be unpredictable. Eventually, a lace-free ball construction method was invented, and this change of the game was endorsed by Naismith. The first balls made specifically for basketball were brown, and it was only in the late 1950s that Tony Hinkle, searching for a ball that would be more visible to players and spectators alike, introduced the orange ball that is now commonly used. Dribbling was not part of the original game except for the bounce pass to teammates. Passing the ball was the primary means of ball movement. Dribbling was eventually introduced but limited by the asymmetric shape of early balls. Dribbling only became a major part of the game around the 1950s as manufacturing improved the ball shape. In 1906, the peach baskets were replaced by metal hoops with backboards. The backboards were introduced to prevent spectator interference and it also allowed rebound shots. Naismith's handwritten diaries discovered by his granddaughter in early 2006 indicate that he was nervous about the new game he had invented, which incorporated rules from a children's game called Duck on a Rock, as many had failed before. I totally want to play Duck on a Rock, even though I have no idea what that is. It sounds to me like an Atari game title, actually. Frank Mahan, in early 1982, asked Naismith what he was going to call this game, and Naismith said, I don't know, he's just trying to get the game started, he hadn't thought about what to call it. Mayhand suggested Naismith ball, and then said, well, why not call it basketball? Naismith replied, we have a basket and a ball, and it seems to me that would be a good name. The first official game was played in the YMCA Gymnasium in Albany, New York, on January 20th, 1892, with nine players, and the game ended 1-0. The shot was made from 25 feet on a court just half the size of present-day street ball or national NBA courts. And the rest, as they say, is history. All right, well... After the break, will the rest of the show be a three-pointer, nothing but net, or one of those shots that bounce off the rim, careens into the bleachers, and bloodies three noses before shattering a window and crushing the life out of a chipmunk in the parking lot until finally the ball comes to rest at the feet of a passing rhinoceros who flattens it? Yeah, we've all been there. Charlie, I gotta tell you something. It's kind of hard, but it's been bugging me. I've got a dribbling problem. Oh man, I'm so glad you said that. Because I recently became incontinent, and I've been wearing those special diapers for adults. It really seems to help, and it, it, but it's kind of embarrassing. So I'm glad that you said something, and we can we can share this this special problem. No, man. When I said I had a dribbling problem, my basketball game's all off. I don't know if it's an elbow thing or, or something. But hey, you, you know, good luck with your thing, too. Um, thanks. So, we're playing 
basketball today. Yeah, you guys all know what basketball is, so let's do that thing. Gonna play game two, two uh, one player. Ironically, game two is a one player game. Got the uh, right handed joystick in my hand. Let's do it. Jump ball, I got, no, he took the ball away from me, jerk. Hey, why isn't he moving? Boom. That's how you do that, son. I took the ball away from him and owned him. I'm playing, by the way, with me on the novice setting. Oh, you know what? Oh, I didn't have it on game two. That's why it was so easy. Let's try this again. I'll put that in the blooper reel. No, I won't. Oops, I flubbed that. It was my ball and I just kind of dropped it. Boom. Try that again. Whoa, way over the backboard. Computer already has eight points. Hey, I'm on the board with two points. Man, I can't hit a shot today. There we go. Um... The colors are all wrong. The ball is blue, the court is orange. Um, you know, your player is purple and the opponent is green, but that's fine. But yeah, the, the, the basketball colors themselves are, are wrong. But this play is really good. Um, the, the shooting looks realistic. Your interaction with the other player is realistic because you're, you're guarding, you're stealing the ball, you're dribbling. I really like this. I am now approaching two and a half minutes left in the game. I still can barely shoot a point. Eh, I guess I'm closing in. 16 to 12. Even though I've been chattering. That was a bad shot. Come on, that was in. No, you don't, mister. Okay, maybe you do. Boom. Ah, stole the ball from him. Take that. Then I flipped the shot. Alright, 20 to 16. I stole the ball again. Shoots, he scores. Twenty-two to twenty. Can I tie it up? Nope, I can't. Boom, there, no, come on, that was in. I stole the ball again. 22 all. And now he's at head again, jerk. Minute and a half to go. 28-24. 28-24. Boom. I can't figure out how to do a three-pointer. The ball doesn't seem to want to go that far. 34-30. Still losing. With a minute to go. Oh, that was in. Come on. 
stole the ball. That would have been perfect, but I flubbed it. I suck. 38-34. 45 seconds to go. The action is well-paced. It feels realistic. You know, within the confines of a 1970s Atari game. Forty-two, forty. He's about to score again, though. Boom. Forty-two, forty-four. And I stole the ball and flubbed it again. Dang it. Oh, he flubbed. But he's going to get it this time. Forty-six, forty. I'm going to lose. Over the backboard. Are you kidding me? I'm about to lose. Forty-six, forty-two. No championship for me. Gonna hit the showers. Back to you in the studio. Hey Atari fans, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer, the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kieran will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. So here's the thing about basketball. I've already kind of said it. I am pleasingly surprised at how much I like this game. It feels realistic. The colors are screwy, but, you know, it's an early Atari game, so you can accept that. I just, I really like playing this game. I didn't want to stop to do the, the field report. If I had time after this recording, which I'm not going to because there's some other things I got to do, I would play some more. And that's, you know, that's from a guy who doesn't really like sports. So go get basketball. I think I paid a dollar for the cartridge I have. Um, you guys can certainly pony up a buck for a really good time. If Atari would like to send me some sort of a royalty for telling people to go buy basketball, please do. They're totally not going to do that. Well, now it's time for this week's story. And how do we know that? Oh man, I am so excited about this. Thanks to fellow podcaster, friend of the show, Arleron Goodmensch. That's a thing, right? A good mensch. Sean Courtney, we now have, I, I cannot express how excited I am about this. We now have a theme for the story portion of this show. It goes like this. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story is titled, When Baskets First Got Bald. And actually, it's a poem I wrote inspired by a poem called Origin of Copulation, which is a bit of... 19th century Victorian era erotica. Now, I was thinking about a story for this week. And like I said, when you have just a straight sports game, trying to come up with a story is a bit of a challenge. And I thought, well, what's a kind of story that I haven't written yet? And for some reason, Victorian era erotica came to mind. So buckle up, kids, because that's what you're about to get. Um, there are no outright bad words in this poem. But uh, you might want to, you know, shoo the, the kids out of the room. For you adults, 
go read, you can find it on the internet, Origin of Calculation. It is, well, it's pretty awful, actually. Um, but it, it is an interesting look at how dudes, because it is clearly written by a dude, in uh, the 19th century thought about, you know, stuff. So go check that out. Here is When Baskets First Got Bald. Success to Dr. Naismith, for twas by his plan, the genius first thought of enjoyment from balls. He knew that of competition man wouldn't tire at all, and so out of kindness he created bastard ball. High bouncing glorious balls, voluptuous rubicund balls. Oh surely of fortune he came in the nick, good natured Naismith to teach men this trick. Without it how lost would an athlete be? Playing with balls makes boys squeal with glee. And women play too. They'll be quite up front. For their empty baskets bounce past balls do they hunt. Men and women hoping to score, their baskets get bald. They beg for more. They dribble back forth across the boards. For more baskets to ball themselves, they would whore. When Naismith to humans the sport did give, the sport did hit men where they live. And no matter if players each other foul up, when balls come for eager baskets, they love to get laid up. High-bouncing glorious balls, voluptuous rubicund balls. Oh, surely a fortune he came in the nick, good-natured Naismith to teach men this trick. When balls are traveling, fouls are called. Players dribble so freely, all wait to get balled. But as on the rim of the quim, the balls bounce on their baskets. But if you want to play again, you need only to ask it. Players with hang time and air are quite hung. Their balls are ready toward baskets to plunge. One-on-one -on -one is fine, or maybe a team, for basketball is the stuff of any man's dream. And that's our show. We hope you've enjoyed possibly the last ever episode of Atari Bytes. Um, I may have to slap the explicit warning on this episode. I'm not sure. My thanks to Sean Courtney for the new story segment theme. My thanks to Mad Ma uh, Mike Mann for his Mad Mike Hughes segment theme. Thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Pinball Spring, and Take a Chance. You can find show notes for Atari Bytes at ataribytes.libsyn.com. You can email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And as you know, we're occasionally on Instagram at Atari Bytes, posting weirdness there as well. And now, we mentioned at the top of the show, you can call me, and I won't talk to you, but you can leave a voicemail at 563-265-1978. Listen to Atari Bytes wherever fine podcasts are sold, distributed, or foisted upon you like so many flyers from politicians in an election year. But remember, whatever you do, dribble on over to slam a three-point review from downtown of this show on Apple Podcasts. And then, hurl yourself into the stands to punch out some spectators. Whoops, I mean, to spread the gospel to fans, to slightly drunk basketball fans, to come and listen to this podcast. Also, do please consider supporting the show financially by going to our Patreon page and becoming a member there. It does take money to put the podcast together. And anything you can do to support this show or any other show that you like is greatly appreciated. If you have suggestions for things you would like to see as 
you know, sort of member incentives, I am open to that, you know, because, uh, because I, you know, I want to, I want to, uh, share the love with you guys in whatever way I can that's legal. So, uh, so send me your thoughts. You could call me perhaps and leave me a voicemail. And in between doing all of those things, if you have time, go check out my other podcast. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown is what that thing's called. New episodes drop on the 15th of every month and provide your fill of anything from the Peanuts universe. The comic strips, the comic books, which are a thing, the TV specials, the movies, the merchandise, the mind of Charles Schultz himself. This month we've got an interview with the guy who curates the Charles Schultz Museum in California. We do it all over there. You grew up with Peanuts characters. You loved them. You know them, at least. You definitely have family members and friends who are crazy for Snoopy and Charlie Brown and all those guys. Go listen to this podcast. Tell them to go listen to this podcast. You will not be sorry. And I'll be happy too. It's a win-win for everybody. All right. Next time on Atari Bytes. Casino. That's right. We're going to Vegas, baby. We're playing Casino. Not the movie Casino. The game Casino, which I'm going to guess has absolutely nothing to do with the movie. Having said that, if Robert De Niro would like to come on the podcast and talk about Casino, or hell, anything he wants to talk about, I'm open to that. Bobby, give me a call. You can leave me a voicemail. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. Oh, 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 oh,